Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, IndyCar fans. This is Nathan Brown, your motorsports reporter. Uh, As we enter the race week that we've all been waiting for, I'm joined on IndyCar Weekly this week with my co-host, Connor Daly. Connor, uh, we've finally got the race week we've been waiting for since March. Um, What's it feeling like for you as a, a driver finally being able to get going? Honestly, man, it's a, just, it's a bit of a, an escape from reality for the most part. Uh, just kind of getting back to how, you know, where we all and the racing community just love to be is at the racetrack. Um, you know, it's going to be just a lot of fun, honestly, to see a lot of people, uh, you know, at a social distance, um, uh, of course. But uh, but it's just gonna, it's, it's almost like a family reunion, you know, getting back together with the uh, you know, the, the racing family, the brotherhood, whether that's your team, whether that's other teams. I mean, heck, I'm driven for all the teams now, so everyone's <laughs> a friend at this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just can't wait. The, the, the preparation, uh, you spend the entire off season, you know, waiting to, uh, you know, and, and over overanalyzing what the first race is going to be like. And then we had to wait even more months, um, you know, to, to get it going. So it, it's tough, man, to just look at the schedule and just to look at what potentially could happen and what, you know, what, what potentially, you know, might change in the car when you're out there, what, you know, what's the aero screen going to do? There's so many things that have been in our heads since September. Um, and, and, and now we finally get to put everything into play. We get to, you know, I get to work on things from, you know, last year with this Carlin team, uh, so yeah, it, it's it's just it's it's a nice feeling to have once again. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, you are in the car this week for Carlin Racing. That obviously wasn't the plan when it looked like things were going to get underway originally to start the season. Um, we're set to start with Ed Carpenter Racing for the Road and Street courses and the Indy Five Hundred. Uh, but when we talked entering uh, entering the season, you were still on tap to do the, I think what at that point was four oval races for Carlin and the 59 car switching around now, starting the season with an oval, starting with Carlin. Uh, I know you mentioned last time that we were on that you had some, uh, some simulator work that you were doing for both teams, getting closer to the season. How has that uh, relationship that you already built last year with the Carlin folks just only been strengthened in this time off as we've gotten closer to June 6th at Texas? Well, I mean, it's been great to have got a day on the simulator with those guys. Um, you know, that, it, and, and the real simulator, not just my upstairs, you know, guest <laughs> bedroom. Uh, you know, that's, it's been nice. Uh, you know, we know where we were last year. We know that we were actually not in a bad spot last year. You know, had we not gone down a lap early, you know, we were, 
uh, right with the cars of, you know, Power and Marco right at the end in the, in the ninth and tenth positions. So, um, you know, we were, we were in a good spot and we gotta, we can't forget that. Although I wasn't as comfortable as I would have liked to have been in that car, um, you know, when it comes to the setup, we actually weren't that bad. So, uh, we gotta keep that in mind. And, you know, there's a lot that I, I actually can't wait to just see how we progress on. You know, there, there's a few different things. Um, you know, when it comes to how we're going to start the weekend uh, or the day, I guess, uh, you know, that I'm excited to test because of what we learned as we as we went through the year last year. So uh, there's a lot of exciting things that, that, you know, we'll be able to get through. But there's also a lot of things that are new. So, you know, it's not necessarily a black and white um, you know, back-to-back type, uh, you know, situation, uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be, um, you know, very, very different. It's going to be uh, aero screen. You're going to have different tires. You're going to have uh, extreme heat, it looks like. So, you know, we might not, we might not be able to make what last, you know, what worked last year worked this year. So uh, it's still going to be interesting, and there, it's, it's going to be an exciting day for sure. You mentioned all of these, I don't, I don't know if I want to call them unknowns because that's maybe not applicable to all of them, but a lot of things that are really kind of unclear or uncertain as far as how it's going to affect the car, affect uh, this, really this whole race and the drivers. And you guys have so little time actually on track once you get into Texas Motor Speedway on Saturday to figure all of these things out. We'll run through all of these here. Um, you mentioned... Uh, you'll be there a, a day early on Friday. You've got a series of guys going down. Uh, I think I saw James Hinchcliffe is actually going down this afternoon. Um, you've got some drivers going down tomorrow. And then t- pretty much all the team folk heading down on Saturday. You guys finally get to actually hit the track for uh, for most of the drivers for what I believe is an 80-minute uh, practice session on Saturday afternoon. How much can you guys realistically accomplish from the work that you've done heading into Saturday as far as, uh, anything beyond just kind of checking boxes and making sure things are functioning properly? Well, the tough thing about this whole, you know, day that we have coming up is it's still very different from what we normally have. You know, Texas is it's always a short weekend, you know, being two days, but, you know, we get a practice session in the day, we get a qualifying sort of mid-afternoon, but we get a night practice, and, and that's very similar to the race, um, whereas this weekend, we have one practice session in the absolute maximum heat of the day, and then we qualify, and then we race in completely different conditions, so, um, you know, it, it's going to be a bit of a gamble, we have a lot that we want to get through testing wise, but we also don't want to out engineer ourselves. We don't want to, you know, dive into some pit of, of, of engineering, um, where we end up, you know, overanalyzing what we think the track's going to turn into. So, you know, we've got to remember that the, the stints are short, you know, we're going to be essentially half tanks every run. So the cars are going to be lighter. The, the ride heights are going to be different. Um, there's so many things that are going to be, uh, you know, interesting and, and, uh, you know, and, and kind of exciting to, to go through. Um, and I really like what they've done with qualifying, honestly. I think, you know, the, the fact that you have to qualify with what you're going to race with is, is very cool. I think that could really tighten the field when it comes to lap times. Uh, we're going to really see whose cars are, 
you know, who have, who has the best uprights, who has the best uh, free flowing suspension pieces, and uh, you know, gearbox uh, low drag uh, equivalents. You know, there's there's just what car can drive around with the most amount of downforce possible, or who's going to take a gamble? You know, who who wants to qualify on pole with potentially a degree less rear wing? thinking that maybe they can get away with it if they stay up front later in the night. So there's always someone who gambles on it. You know, track position is going to be super important. Um, and, and we'll just have to see how that goes. We, we also know, um, you, as you've touched on a little bit, some other things going on with the car this week. You've talked about the, uh, the shortened tire stints. We learned it was either early this week or late last week that just due to the you know the supply chain effect of the coronavirus pandemic that um firestone indy and indycar worked together and essentially decided that they didn't quite have the tire that they would have liked to have for this race typically you guys are doing somewhere around a a 60 or 65 lap stint at texas um and i think it sounds like the limit is now going to be 35 guys have reacted to that in a lot of different ways this week some of uh, some people think it could be uh could make the the race even more exciting some guys think there's a chance that you could have some more pack racing uh which has some some good and bad things to it i guess what was what when you've looked at the numbers you've talked to uh your engineers and mechanics and folks at carlin how do you feel like that aspect is going to change the race that we'll have saturday well, I mean, we still we still just don't know enough. Um, you know, we know what the left side tires are. You know that we know what track they were used at last year. You know, we know the numbers of what Firestone have given us on on how much grip they're supposed to have and, and the wear rate. Um, but yeah, the thirty five by percent. Honestly, it, 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 it's it, it's not great in my opinion. And I noticed that Scott Dixon said the same thing because you know there are a lot of teams that that uh, you know pride themselves on how they can make the tires last. And I think historically we've seen that really Penske is, is the only team that um, has ever really had tire issues when it comes to, um, you know, potentially a, a tire, you know, nearly blowing up. Cause we know Firestone makes a great tire. Um, but in, in the past, I've really, you know, we, when we think about it, it's, it's, it's been more Penske related issues when it comes to pushing the limits of the tire. And I think that's just the way they approach their setups and their, um, you know, their, their, uh, technical philosophy, which is totally fine. Cause obviously, you know, we all have the ability to go about technicalities of the race car in, in, in our own, uh, way. But, uh, but yeah, it's going to be tough because the way some of those stints play out, some cars are really good at the beginning and some cars fade, drastically towards the end so you know you you you, could, you might be running around in 18th for you know the majority i'll never forget the first my first race at texas my rookie year obviously didn't result very well we started in the back but we made our tires last better than anyone else for the first stint and i went from 18th to second before we pitted and then i well i crashed obviously with joseph mm-hmm. um but it was one of those things where your, your race vaulted completely to the other side um, just because you made the tires last a little bit longer. So it, it's, it's a bit of a shame that we, um, you know, that, that we have that in place. Obviously, it's for safety and for certain reasons, um, but it puts a lot of pressure on the pit crews, uh, you know, short filling every time. You know, we're not going to be 
it's purely going to be how quick can we change the tires because the fuel is going to be done before the tires. Um, and pit lane is going to be really busy because we know when everyone has to pit. So, you know, pit lane on Noble is tough. And it, and if it's full, it's, it's very tough. So, you know, we, we could have to deal with that. You know, who's going to cut it short, a lap or two short, just to try and get a free pit lane. Um, you know, what happens if it goes yellow and you're on lap 35, you know, then you're going to get 37 laps out of it before you get, you know, you, you pit. So that helps you on the, on the back end potentially. Um, so yeah, there, there's still a lot of elements. Um, but I, I, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the tire scent length. Um, but you know what, it, it's, it's obviously the same for everyone and we got to deal with it. And, and, you know, hopefully it creates a very competitive race. Doing my math correctly. It looks like you could have, Guys go for somewhere around five pit stops or so. Um, I, I know Joseph, when he won the race last year, uh, ended up actually with one more stop than most of the rest of the field. He did, a, I think, a short fill and was able to then capitalize a little bit there on the end, get the lead and just hang on uh, without Rossi being able to overtake him down the stretch. Uh, as you mentioned, it, it's it's. I think there's it just there's more variables in this race that could affect things. You've got more pit stops. You've got uh, an opportunity not only for crews to excel or you know have a, a minor mistake in the pits. You last year's uh, pole leader Takuma Sato I think had an issue in his first pit stop, overshot his pit box uh, after he led the first chunk of the race, and then. You know that was pretty much the end of it for him. So you've got so many variables. Uh, we haven't even talked yet about the aero screen, which most folks have not driven with on an oval. I think outside of the rookies that had a chance to go there after the Coda Open test in February, uh, there's been a lot of talk this week about how how little guys truly do know despite simulation work on how that's going to affect the car again with decisions ranging from i don't think it'll affect things very much to just flat out um folks not really knowing what is your initial impression not with the vision or the heating element of the car but how how do you expect this aero screen to affect you guys going 220 plus on the 100 uh the mile and a half oval at texas i mean honestly i have no idea i mean i don't even know how much i'm going to be able to see i mean i mean that's that that's the fact i mean texas is so high bank that you're you're looking in different areas like your your vision is obviously different when you're when you're going so fast and you're banked you're low you're trying to look your eyes are trying to take you forward and you're looking up so and and, and with the way the the visor strip i guess works um aka the whatever the thing is on the aero screen that you, you know that's acting like a visor strip um i just don't know and so so there's yeah so we we get no you know, only one practice to i mean well you got to be happy with it because they can't do anything about it it's not like you're going to take it off um but but it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, I don't know what that air is going to feel like when it, you know, when it, when it's not hitting my helmet at 220, you know, maybe that'll be great. I don't know, but it's also going to be absolutely ballistic hot and it's going to test every piece of the air, uh, the airflow of this thing. And I mean, I, I could see it being uh, the harshest test. And, 
sadly, it's the first test that it's going to get is is up in the most, uh, you know, the highest range of heat for a race that, that we could have all year. Um, so, I, 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 yeah, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, I just, I really, really hope, I mean, I have a lot of concerns about it, but I obviously don't care. I can't wait to just go racing. Um, but I just hope for everyone's sake, it, it just, it's just better than I assume it's going to be and that we can all just kind of get into it and see what happens. Uh, I also think potentially shortening the stints is, is a, is an aero screen thing. Mm-hmm. I think. Yes, we're concerned about tire life and what what the aeroscreen added weight does to the tire wear, but we also know don't know if people from P fourteen to twenty four are going to be able to see after twenty five laps. You know what I mean? So that's that's something I think that might have been not mentioned in the reason why they've um, you know done the uh, done the, the the stint limiting, but it is something to think about. So um, so yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. Entirely possible. I know. Um, I think it was Zach Veach this week in our series of calls with drivers and team officials on Zoom this week. He talked, uh, whether, whether he brought it up or whether someone asked about it specifically, I can't remember, but, um, Zach did mention that, you know, for all the pluses and minuses of iRacing that he felt like, um, the simulation of how the, pebbles of the the tires that built up uh you know creating some sort of a film or a little bit of some simulation of obstruction with junk on the screen running long stints at races was maybe at least as predictable as he thought it could possibly be have you observed any of that in the i racing that you've done in indy cars um at all do you think it's something that you feel like you maybe have at least some sort of an idea how that will will go about when you're in those packs. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think that is very, uh, very brave to assume that iRacing has somehow seen the future and knows <laughs> what the aeroscreen is going to build up on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, iRacing does a great job, but like we've never raced with the aeroscreen, so how how is it physically possible to know? what could potentially get, you know, caught on the screen or how it, how it accepts debris or rubber or dirt or oil, whatever it is. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't think it's a great representation at all yet because we just don't know. There's just no facts. Uh, there's no study about, hey, we've seen 24 cars now do 200 laps in Texas. How did everyone's aeroscreen perform? You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah. So, we'll, you know, and, and that's part of the exciting piece about it you know i mean you want to i think being a part of a groundbreaking technological advancement in safety is very cool but it's always you know i'm sure it's not always going to be perfect and 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 we're we're a part of you know creating historical change in the safety of motorsport certainly in open wheel racing uh and and yeah well you know we're just along for the ride we gotta we gotta go for it and, and see what happens additional visual uh part of all of this is you guys are starting to race. I think the the green flag's supposed to drop at eight oh five Eastern, which is seven oh five Central. That's still a, a good amount of time before sunset in Texas. I think the race, when it was scheduled originally for NBC Sports, 
uh, was set to start, if I remember correctly, at 8.45 Eastern. So you've got, you're starting the race 40 to 45 minutes earlier, which means you've got 40 to 45 minutes more of sunlight. And you're right in that sweet spot um, for parts of the track where you guys are probably going to be getting some amount of glare uh, from the sun. When you guys didn't even have the aero screen, how much did that does that affect you guys just with your uh, with your your visor? Um, and do you think that'll just kind of be amplified even more so when you've got an entire screen on the car? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I couldn't see a thing at Coda uh, late in the afternoon uh, at the preseason test earlier. I was completely blind looking straight into the sun uh, going down the back straight. And that's going to be tough because turn three and four, with that sun setting, uh, it's, it's hard to see. Now everyone's going to be in the same boat, so I, I think there's going to be a a um, you know a level of caution there. But I mean, the, uh, yeah, I mean, what can you do about it? Absolutely nothing. I, I think we're going to have what we can have on the helmets. We're going to have what we can have on the aeroscreen. But I do think it will be substantially more difficult to see. And I think I speak for for everyone. We just can't wait for the sun to go down. So I think that'll be that'll be the most exciting part of the day is when the sun finally gets out of the sky. Mm-hmm. You guys have even a a little bit of a shortened race down for, uh, to two hundred laps from two hundred and forty eight. But the the reasoning for at least some of this change the the time of the race, as I mentioned, you guys are on NBC Network in prime time for the first time in seven years, I believe. Um, obviously, back then it would have been on ABC. So you guys are. Um, having an opportunity to potentially reach a lot more fans this way, uh, a lot of fans that have been craving some type of live sports to watch. I imagine lots of folks that have probably watched these first five NASCAR races on TV that we've had. But um, what was what was your excitement level when you heard that you guys would have the opportunity to race on network in prime time for that first race of the year? Well, it's awesome. I mean, NBC is such an incredible TV partner. Um, but we need to make sure that people know that we are racing at 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. It, it, it's not going to be down to us drivers who are telling our followers on Twitter or Instagram to watch because they already will. The, the, uh, the people that follow us on the Internet already are going to watch that race. We need to be able to put it out there, whether it's commercials whether it's social ads, I don't know. Not definitely not. Uh, it's just that, that's that's I think one of the biggest problems is the fact that I see commercials for NASCAR all the time, right? And they do have more money than us. They have a way more money than us. But I just hope that we can we can just make people aware. All the drivers are going to do their jobs. We're going to post the crap out of it on social media, make sure every single person is aware. But I've talked to like four or five people already that don't even know that IndyCar is going to be racing this weekend. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, no, we're racing. Like it, it, it's, it's, we, we, we've got to pay sports center to put it up there. We've got to do something, um, you know, to make people aware because people were, people were definitely aware that NASCAR was going on for their first race when they came back. And, and I saw it, I saw it the ads and, you know, I, I hope NBC, I've, I've actually had NBC sports network on uh, most of the day today and they've done a great job. And when, when we tuned in to NBC uh, on Sunday um, for uh, Supercross, I think it was, uh, you know, they, they, they advertised it there, and that's great. 
but we just we just need to make sure that people are aware. And, and I think if we can do that, we're going to put on a great show. We know product is not the issue. It's just a matter of getting people to get their TVs on and, uh, and tune in because I think it's going to be a great show. Yeah, I think that's the that's probably the issue that a lot of people have skirted around directly identifying probably for a couple of years now is that you guys have this really passionate core of the fan base, but it seems like um, at least not as quickly as some folks would hope that core group has not maybe been growing as fast as some folks might like or what you would want to see. Um, you continue to have the passionate fans that, of course, already know and have known for weeks now that you guys are coming back to Texas. But the key to growing this sport um, is in in order to to get more people onto that that core fan base that you would want to have is just being able to to grab whether it's young fans or old fans that are I don't know if they're tu- tuning in to watch their first IndyCar race or people that go to the Indy 500 every May, but maybe that's the only race they watch every year. And if you can get those folks to turn on their TV on a Saturday night. Now, granted, a Saturday night really in the grand scheme of things is probably not the greatest live sports, you know, time slot. You typically will, you know, you'll have your UFC events, maybe some other things in a a normal sports landscape, but typically you don't have a lot of things on uh, sometimes Friday nights or Saturday nights, just because it's in a night and a time where lots of folks are, are doing other things. But in this, yeah, I, mean, uh, I, only, I only think of college football, right? That, that's, that's true. The only yeah. Thing that I can think of for Saturday night, but you're, you're exactly right. I mean, we, we need the people that just need something to watch, to turn it on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether they're an IndyCar fan or not, if there's nothing going on, literally nothing on a Saturday night, we just need to be like, Oh, well, this is live, you know what I mean? So let's, let's check this out, right? Yeah, yeah, you want the people that are sitting around, getting ready to sit down and eat dinner on Saturday, and you're like, am I going to flip on Netflix and scroll through there to figure out what show I'm going to rewatch again or a movie I'm going to rewatch, or or am I going to instead not only know that a live race is, live sports, not even just live race, live sports is going on on Saturday, um, and you're going to actively, you're going to actively tune that in. So hopefully folks will find that out already know, or will come to know. I know some, um, some people on online, it might've even been mentioned in a conference call I had yesterday with some NBC folks, uh, that part of the struggle in terms of advertising is that typically a, a network like NBC would, promote their other live sports events during during their other live sports events so you get you hear about um a bunch of things during uh during sunday night football for instance during any of the college football uh events that they have going on um like last year like last year at the kentucky derby exactly kentucky derby is huge huge for that Yep, it's a it's a big promotional tool, and they don't have that tool. So I'm sure there's been a lot of conversations going on around NBC to try and just figure out what the best way to do this. I'll admit, you know, I don't have NBC turned on uh, a ton, but have started to see some of those ads trickle in on NBC Sports, and that's been great to see. So um, let's see what else do we have to to go through. I guess uh, you know maybe we'll we'll we've talked so so much about the aspects around this race. What are what are some of the drivers um, outside yourself that you feel like 
in this type of situation where there are so many unknowns, um, there's so many things that, that drivers and crew members and team officials are going to be learning not only on the fly and practice on Saturday and in qualifying, but also in the race. Who are some of these folks that people should watch out for that you think are best equipped to cope with all of these changes on the fly and could potentially turn it into a victory come Saturday? Well, I mean, I would, I would love to turn it into a victory. Absolutely. I think, you know, speaking to a lot of the drivers, um, you know, we've been kind of chatting every now and then and talk to Hinch, Graham, uh, Alex, uh, Joseph, you know, I've seen Joseph a couple times over the last couple weeks. And I think really the main thing that we're concerned about, you know, there's, there's people that are going to be successful, right? We know Dixon's going to be fine. We know the Penske guys are going to be fast. The only thing that we can hope that they do as competitors is take too much of a risk. You know what I mean? Because they they know that they're already going to be fast, and we hope that they take the risk. Sort of like what what happened to Power last year. You know, Power whatever happened to him. You know, they just missed the setup a little bit, and and the guys struggled all night, and 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 it was tough for them. So, you know, that's something that um, I'm sure a mistake that they won't make again. But you have so little time that you almost have to take a bit of a gamble sometimes because, you know, a lot of these guys are, uh, you know, used to being up front all the time. And, and I think it's going to be interesting. The, the big question mark, though, is the rookies. I mean, and, and I feel bad for them. I mean, it, it, this is this is tough. And, I mean, especially Alex Palou has never raced on an oval ever. And let me tell you, I raced on an oval for the first time in 2009. And that was a long time ago now. And it was such a different experience racing on an oval. Um and, you know, he seems like a smart kid. He's obviously fast. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know him that well. Um, uh, but I, it's just, I just hope that those guys don't try to go out and win the race. It, it, you know, I mean, you have to set a goal for winning the race, but you have to be responsible as well because you got to realize that, you know, we're in this for a year and this is race one. You know, Texas is normally, you know, after the Indy 500, you've got things going. You, you know how the championship's looking already. Um, you know, you've just spent three weeks on an oval, two and a half weeks on an oval. We had not done that. And and so, yeah, I think, you know, even my teammate Renus as well. You know, Renus is very, very talented. But there's, there's another level of, you know, understanding of how, you know, how to race with some of these guys. Certainly like the Dixons of the world, the TKs. You know, racing with those guys, it takes time to learn how that goes. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not saying they're I'm not saying they're going to be bad at all. There's a lot of really talented rookies right now, and and I and I truly believe that there's not a rookie in the field right now that that is it, that it does not deserve to be there. Um, but no matter who you are, Joseph was a rookie at some point. All these drivers were rookies at one point. You know what I mean? And we were all learning. Um, at some point and, and to be thrust into this situation, um, you know, with, with, uh, with very little practice, uh, very tough conditions. Uh, it's just one of those things where I just hope that, Hey, let's keep our heads on straight here. I think it's going to be, the night is going to be so important, um, to just make the least mistakes. Just, just, just do, uh, just do the best you can and make the least mistakes. Uh, and that could be a supremely successful night. Um, so yeah, so, so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll obviously see how that goes. I think the normal, the normal guys that we're always competitive, the Rossies of the world, I think Rossi, Dixon, and Newgarden 
going to be hard to beat. Um, and, you know, you throw in, let's say you throw in Graham, because Graham is always good at Texas. He'll show up late in the race, and all of a sudden you think, how is this guy in the top four? But he made it there. Um, and, 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 yeah, you just have to kind of go from there. Absolutely. I think I think your point on rookies, you, you have to – and now I'm obviously speaking as someone who's never raced a race car, but I I imagine for an athlete, you have to go into any competition with the focus on winning, because if you're, if you don't think you can do that, or if you're not focusing on trying to do that, then there's some aspect of, of why you're doing what you're doing. But I, I gotta think that maybe some of those guys, maybe in the, the way to think about that is, you can focus on trying to win the race and the way to win the race is you have to be around for the final 20 laps because if you're not around for those you don't even have a chance and so the the thing that some of those guys that if you're in Alex Pelot's shoes and don't have any oval experience whatsoever outside of that test back in February or even if you're a guy like Oliver Askew or Renus um you know guys that that have some some oval experience in the road to indie program but don't have obviously anything beyond that i think that key is you're going to potentially win the race by being cautious maybe is not the right word but just being smart uh and 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 taking advantage of whatever opportunity you might have when other people have screwed up because you're going to have guys whether probably whether they're young drivers or whether they're veteran drivers some guys are just going to make a small mistake here and there it's just the the way this racing works but if guys the guys that can stick around and the guys that play the first 150 laps smart are going to be those guys that could be in the running and i i agree i think all of those guys you mentioned um you know maybe james hinchcliffe he was been really close around there for a while he's now got Andretti power. Um, I know Colton Herta showed some flashes last year in a, a hybrid Andretti entry, and now he's fully um, on the, the Andretti team. It'd be exciting to watch him and see what he can do this year. His two wins obviously came last year on road and street courses, so we'll, we'll yeah, see what... Yeah, you mentioned Hinch. Yeah. Like, Hinch, Hinch for sure. I mean, Hinch, Hinch has something to prove. You know, he got, he got absolutely dumped by a race team that you know, he was very unfairly unfairly treated, I believe, there, and that, how that whole how that whole situation turned out. So, you know, he's going to be, um, you know, very very motivated. His sponsor is the event sponsor. Um, you know, Andretti Autosport is such an incredible team, and I and I know for a fact, you know, how how much they put into you know any car that they run. Um, so I'm excited to see how Hinch does. I, I think I think that's going to be really cool. Um, but, but yeah, you, you know, you mentioned all a lot of fair points. Um, trying to think if there's anyone else. I think those, those are the big ones. I mean, you on hinge, just one more note. He's, he was originally announced to have a, a three race package and two of those three races are the first two races now of the season. So there's maybe some opportunity for a guy in his position to, you know, maybe parlay really, really two great first runs of the year into something else that extends beyond three races this year at Texas, the GMR Grand Prix and the 500. Now we've got this just vigorous stint of races after the Grand Prix where you've got a double header at Road America and a double header at Iowa. It seems like maybe 
something in those races might just be too soon after. But, you know, if, if he's someone that can uh, prove everything that you mentioned starting off these first couple of races strong, there's certainly no reason that he might be around for much more. So, um, well, I, I would love to think that, but it's still 350 to 400 grand a race. And then that's, you know, that, that's the sheer, I mean, that, that is, everyone thinks that, Hey, let's say Hinch wins the first two races, which would be awesome. That's the only scenario I see to where somehow, um, you know, hopefully, you know, Genesis, his sponsor and, and Andretti can potentially come up with something. But even in these economic times right now, it's, this is a business, man. It's still a business no matter who you are. And, and, uh, and that, that's going to be tough. So I would love to see Hinch get the whole season in, obviously, because he's one of my best friends. Um, but I know for a fact, I mean, I know how, you know, how this game works very aggressively over the last couple of years when it comes to money and, um, it's tough. So who knows? It's a great point. Um, all right, let's get into some other news outside of Texas that we've had, um, both this week and, uh, and these last couple weeks since we've shot our last podcast. First of those pieces, um, that I think we've touched on a little bit already, but we heard, Early this week, you know, we found out that you with Carlin were going to be racing just uh, just in in one entry, going to the season over at, at at Texas this week. I know you've addressed this a little bit already, but being a guy that was expecting to race here uh, with another teammate in the field, does that affect either how you, how you guys prepare for this race? The the amount of data that you would like coming into it during that 80 minute practice session. Um, how does that play into Saturday's event for you in any way? Well, it's tough, man. I mean, the more information you have at a short weekend, the better. And we know we're down to one car's worth. So, um, it is what it is. Obviously the economic impact of this whole, you know, pandemic crisis has, has been tough and it's tough on racing because racing is, you know, driven by money and, uh, and, and it's, and as well, because you can't get rookies, you know, who have never tested, who have never done anything on ovals, really, um, they can't just show up at Texas, you know what I mean? So that's that's um, that's a tough deal. And, you know, it gives us, you know, more resources to use. Obviously, you know, we have more sets of, more sets of dampers that we would normally have on another car, you know, that we can have ready to make maybe quicker changes in the pits for me. Um but, you know, in the end, that information is so powerful. You know, if you have two cars, you can test two different setups, two different uh, philosophies. Um, so, it, and, and I believe this means we're really the only one car operation out there. Um, and, and, and that's tough. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to obviously do our best. We had an engineering meeting uh, literally today uh, over the, over, over, you know, Microsoft Teams or whatever the heck that is, uh, Zoom or whatever it is. Um, and you know we, we have a great plan. We have uh, you know we're gonna we're we're gonna go into it uh, and try and be as responsible and, and as smart as possible. But uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a shame to see you know this team only only be able to run the one car. But it is what it is. I know that they're gonna do a great job running mine, and and, uh, and hopefully then we get back to having a teammate for the rest of the ovals. Um, some other. A little bit of a a bummer of a news tidbit. We found out, I think it was late Sunday night, heading into Monday. We got the official announcement that Indy Lights uh, will not be running for uh, 
their 2020 season obviously had already been delayed and was not set to start until the first or second week of July. Uh, typically, especially these last couple years, you have two, you know, one, two, maybe three at the most, but a lot of times two of their best drivers that come out of lights um, get the opportunity then to uh, to come and, and take their chances at a full season ride in IndyCar. Lots of guys have turned that into uh, great careers. You've got guys that are starting right now with Colton Herta uh, and Pato Award in their second years. You've got Oliver Askew and Renus VK coming up from that program to start this year as rookies. Several other guys. You raced uh, a little bit in lights yourself before you uh, dove into the IndyCar series. What what kind of effect do you imagine that will have just with the future youth of this sport uh, going down the road the next couple years? It's got to be tough, man, and I don't know how you know how those guys are thinking about it right now because it essentially you know it takes a year off of their potential you know future, right? It, it, it's it's really tough to think about that. Um, time is of the essence when you're a young driver. It's so important every year, every season, every race. Um, and, you know, and, and teams, you know, sometimes you're always looking at the next, you know, young gun, the next young hot shot. And, you know, that, that was Colton, that was Pato, that was Oliver. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it's hard because, you know, we need the future of the sport to still be, you know, be cultivated. Um, but you know what? I mean, it, 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 it is what it is right now. It, it's a tough, tough scenario to be in. I'm sure some of those guys will, you know, be able to drive elsewhere and keep themselves sharp. I was talking to Kyle Kirkwood a little bit last night, who's obviously, he's, he's definitely got a future in IndyCar and a future in, in, in racing. Um, you know, I'm sure, you know, he's, he's actively going to be trying to, you know, drive something to, to stay ready and stay, uh, you know, stay the course. Um, but yeah, no matter what, it's sad news. Uh, Dan Anderson and everyone over there, um, you know, they, they do a great job with the series, but they, you know, they've, they've got to do what they've got to do to survive. Uh, we just found out earlier this morning uh, that in, uh, IndyCar, IMS, NASCAR eventually came to the, to the decision that they will be unable to have fans uh, for what many expected to be the return of fans, not only to American Motorsports, but to... Uh, just the American sports landscape in general. Uh, it would have been July 4th and July 5th at IMS. It would have been the second race for uh, IndyCar this year after you guys race at Texas this weekend for NASCAR. Uh, I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but I imagine they probably would have been at you know maybe a, a dozen or so races by that point. The, uh, the idea, I think, initially uh, with that, Indiana's reopening the economy plan that was actually titled, of course, Back on Track. Uh, the, the idea was that everything would be open. You'd be able to have uh, 250 or more folks at what you would call a quote-unquote social gathering. Um, people by, by July 4th was going to be that first day. So a lot of folks were really hoping that, um, that IMS would be able to strategically place people around that track spectator wise and the fans would still be able to watch those races the two on the the road uh road course on July 4th with the GMR Grand Prix and the Pennzoil 150 and then of course the Brickyard 400 the following day on the oval um to to now still not really know when fans are going to be back 
uh, and have that bummer for fans that are local here. Uh, they're fans of you, fans of your, your team, fans of the sport. Um, how did you take that news when you found out the uh, official announcement this morning? Man, it's really sad, honestly. Um, it, it was something I was looking forward to. It was something my family was looking forward to, all the fans. I know that, that you know, we're looking forward to it. Um, and it's such a monumental weekend for motorsport in general, having NASCAR and IndyCar together. Um, but, it, but it just seems like, honestly, the, the, the mayor is on a bit of a different page. Um, you know, the mayor of, 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 of our county here in downtown Indianapolis. Um, and, and it's a shame because I, I understand what's going on and I understand, the, you know, the necessity of, of, of keeping people safe and, and healthy. Um, but this has been a couple months and, I mean, it's, I don't hear anything about really COVID-19 anymore. Um, I mean, I think... I think the, the north side of Indy, um, you know, the, the restaurants are opening back up. Everyone seems really happy um, that, that things are, you know, things are things are getting back to normal. Um, and I, I just don't understand it. I, I really don't. And and it is what it is. You know, I'm obviously going to be there and do the best job that I can to to win that race. But I, you know, it's my home race, and it's something that I'm really passionate about. The, the GP of Indy. Um, and, and it's a shame that we, we are not able to host the passionate race fans that have been dying to see uh, an event here at our incredible racetrack. So there's a lot that I would like to say that I probably cannot say um, because everyone's being, you know, everyone's being strictly analyzed over what they say and how they say it. Um, but I, I just, I wish that... Uh, that we could have the fans there. Um, and and I, I, I feel really confident that obviously in August, everything will be fine. Um, and we can have a full Indy 500, but that's only my opinion. Uh, so I, I clearly don't, uh, you know, don't have the same opinion as, as people who, you know, get paid to make decisions like this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it is, what it, I, I guess it is what it is, but it's definitely very sad for me. I, it's, it's just, it's just a, a shame. I know, I know you guys, once you guys put down the, uh, put on your helmet, you guys maybe don't, and you know, if you step in the cockpit on an actual race day, you guys maybe don't really notice those fans that much until the checkered flag waves. But, um, some of the drivers on calls this week have even talked about, they think just even one or two races, maybe more of not having fans there, the guys will really, even more than they already did appreciate the fans and the the photos that you guys take with folks and the autographs you guys sign and just the interaction that you guys get, uh, before and after races and on practice days and things like that. Um, what, what do you imagine this first race here? And now obviously at least the second one on July 4th being like for you drivers, both on track and off track without having fans in the stands. You know, I, I wish I think for sure all of us will appreciate the fans and the people who support us, uh, you know, more than ever after this whole time. I mean, we, we do what we do because we love it, but we also love that people love it. You know what I mean? We love that people enjoy watching us do what we do. Um, and the, the fact that we will be missing that, obviously we won't notice that we're in the car. When we're in the car, you're focused on directly what's in front of you. You, you won't notice pre-race. Yes, it'll be weird. There won't be any fans. You know, we're not waving to anyone. We're just walking up to the car, getting in and going. 
Um, and that will be weird. And, and but then there's no other way. There's no other word for it. But uh, but we know as drivers, like when we when we strap in and when we put that visor down, and 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 you tell me it's race time. We know exactly what we're competing for, and that's to be the best on the track that that night. So that we're still going to do. The show we're going to put on is as good as if there was a million fans there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think. For the happiness of people in general, for the morale of the public, for the morale of our race fans, um, you know, we need to make sure that we can get back to the racetrack to celebrate with each other, you know, sooner rather than later. And, and you know, I know I've been trying to do my part, and I have seen a lot of people in Indiana do their part, you know, with masks and whatever you need to do, staying distant. Um, but I just, you know, I, I don't want people, I, I just don't want to see this year be put in such a position where it just feels like it was a a complete waste of time because there are still things we can do to have an incredible time to enjoy our lives. You know, we only live once and and we got to make sure that, um, you know, I I don't want to, I don't want to waste any time. I want to be able to put on shows for our fans and, uh, you know, hopefully we can, you know, we can all do the, make the right steps to, to get that, you know, get, get that back into place. Fair point. Um, speaking of fans, let's get to some of their questions that they submitted on Twitter for us, um, for our podcast. Uh, first one of those comes from Carrie at Carrie Leinbach, um, who wants to know, Connor, what cooling device do you have planned for Texas? Uh, and also asked to describe for us the tire situation for the race, which we've already talked a little bit about. Well, right now the cooling options at first, they started as optional, uh, well, at first, you, I think you could run whatever you wanted when it comes to helmet cooling. Now, then it was optional. Now it's mandatory. So <laughs> I think they're just they're looking at the weather and they're thinking, "Yikes, this is going to be very hot. Uh, let's cool these drivers down as much as we can." So um, the 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 helmet cooling we have, uh, we we don't get to wear cool shirts like those those ice shirts that people wear in sports cars sometimes. Uh, we don't get those, um, but we have the cooling that comes through the uh, below the aero screen and the front of the shock cover, uh, and then whatever our helmet uh, our helmet cooling duct uh, produces. So again, this is all very new. I've never tested this on an oval. I don't know what it feels like at 220 to have a, a vent come into my straight to my noggin. Um, but you know what? Here we go. We're going to see how it goes. So. Um, It'll be very interesting. Uh, I, I hope it goes well. I hope we, oh, I hope we get airflow. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then the tire stints, you know, it's it's basically to make sure that we don't overwork the tires. You know, this is obviously going to be a very great track, uh, and strategy wise, it's going to put us into a bit of a, a bit of a limited window. Um, but yeah, we talked about it a little bit earlier, so you know, it's, it's we're just going to have to go with it. A question here from Michael Wakefield at WakeMR57 on Twitter. Uh, says, Connor, good luck Saturday night. What are your logistics for this race? How and when do you get there? Where do you stay, hotel or motorhome? Uh, and are the logistics of a race weekend day different between Carlin and Ed Carpenter racing? Um, I think every team does does different things. Uh, I mean, I know I'm, I'm going on Friday. Most of the drivers are on my flight. Um, uh, that I know of, um, you know, a Friday, uh, and we get down there and, and yes, you know, we're in a hotel, 
you know, the, the teams are staying together as far as, I you know, my team is all in the same place. Uh, we're obviously, you know, not, not out there interacting with other humans. We're not out there, you know, going to hang out or go on vacation. We're getting there and, uh, and, and, and we're, and we're getting ready for Saturday. Um, so, you know, and then I, I'm going to obviously, I'm going to stay the night as well after the race Saturday because, I mean, we're probably going to be totally destroyed and I would rather get a full night's sleep, uh, you know, there and then fly out kind of more relaxed on Sunday. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, a pretty normal, like if a race weekend was one day, you know, you probably go in the day before and leave the day after. So it's, it's pretty normal. Um, the fact that we won't be able to go to the track though the day before that we're actually on track is the only thing that's normally different because normally you want to try and get everything done. Like, you know, seat fit, make sure that's good. You want to, you want to do all the radio checks. You want to get all kinds of things done the day before you get on track. But now we're going to have to do them all essentially in the morning. Gotcha. Um, a uh, very important question from uh, Duncan Idaho 11 on Twitter says, will the dining room chair be coming to Texas with Connor? It's going to be weird not seeing that go racing. <laughs> no dining room chairs will be brought as a carry-on. Um, thankfully, I can leave them all here. And they're all, all four of them are at my kitchen table finally uh, because I do have a real simulator now up in my uh, up in my guest bedroom, which is now the Canada Technology Center. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another one from Duncan as well uh, asks, on the scale from one to LCQ, last chance qualifier, uh, how crazy is this race going to be between its place on the schedule, car changes, pandemic complications, and limited track time? Well, I think, you know, everything is going to be different. It's, it's obviously an entirely new reality we're living in. Uh, it seems like a bit of a fictitious reality we're living in, but it is what it is, you know what I mean? Um, we have a race in front of us. We have a schedule. Uh, we have great leaders in our series with, with Jay Fry and, and, um, and Mark Miles. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to go out there and do our jobs and put on a show for fans. So, uh, well, fans at home. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's, it, there's going to be a lot of complications. There's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, tough times during that day and night, but race car drivers are, are, you know, we're supposed to adapt and adapt and improve um, and, and adapt and overcome uh, because, you know, if Scott Dixon couldn't adapt to an ill-handling car at some point in the race, you know, he wouldn't have 48 victories or whatever it is, almost 50 wins in the car. You know, Scott Dixon has started races really terribly. I've seen it at Iowa. He was like, he was so scary, finishes on the podium. Uh, so, you know, you're always adapting. You're always improving. Uh, and it's just going to be about who can do that the most efficiently and who can, who can get to, uh, you know, a stable state in the race, uh, the quickest. And, and, and I can't wait to see who does it. I, I, I'm a fan of racing as well. So, you know, I want to win. I want to be on the podium in Texas. I think that would be a huge accomplishment for our team. Um, but I have no idea what anyone is doing right now this year. I've not seen a single race because there hasn't been any IndyCar races. And we don't know what what page everyone's on. So it's going to be cool to kind of see how it all starts to play out. Question from AJ Digby. Uh, with the new air screen, can you attempt to build off of last year's race setup with Carlin, or will it be completely different? Uh, and a follow-up question completely unrelated to racing. Uh, what is your favorite song right now? Um, 
the arrow screen, we just don't know enough about it and what it'll do uh, to the car handling yet. I mean, on the road courses so far, like the testing that we've done, it's changed the balance a little bit, um, but not massive. But I mean, when you think about what happens on ovals, I mean, you're talking what we we have the weight jacker. You know, it's it's ten to fifteen pounds of weight that you can put on the right front with each press of the of the weight jacker. So. You know, it's small adjustments um, make such a big difference. And this is 70 pounds of weight that you put right above the driver. Um, so, you know, it, it, it could produce quite a, an understeery balance, a, a pushy car. Um, so, you know, who's going to be able to figure that out first? We don't know. What's my favorite song right now? That is a, uh, a great question. Um, I would like to go quickly to my uh, title uh, music streaming service here and look at what I've liked recently. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I think uh, right now, uh, Desire by Eli Brown and uh, The Safety of Disbelief by Light the Torch. I get a little rock music, a little bit of electronic music. Um, Feel Something by Elenium and Excision, Black Reveal, all great songs right now. That's what's up. Awesome. Um, question, another question from Jordan Brock, uh, who asks, Connor, do you think the fatigue will play a factor in the race with practice qualifying all taking place on Saturday along with the race? Fatigue is, is going to be big. Um, I, I, I've been, both Ed and I have been training harder than ever every day um, to be ready for this race. Uh, you know, it's a little bit shorter, which is, which is going to help us. But, uh, but if, if you run green for, you know, for a, a long period of time, that's going to be tough. The first race of the year, no matter where it is, St. Pete usually, it's always tough. Well, or for me, the last couple of years has just been Indy, and that's tough. Um, but, uh, but Texas is physically very difficult. And, you know, we're going to have to – I've tried to do – I've done four days in a shifter cart uh, over the last uh, month or so. Um, you know, hundreds of laps in a shifter car to try and be ready, get the body ready to, you know, just get those racing motions going. Um, so I, I feel ready as ready as I can be. Uh, but you never know what, you know, what everyone else has been doing. So hopefully, hopefully we can catch a couple of people sleeping and, and take advantage of, uh, of people getting tired. Question here from Brian Kelly asks, will there be any kind of gentleman's agreement to give each other a bit more room in the first laps since everyone will be a bit rusty? I think we can talk about gentlemen's agreements, but I don't think there will ever be any. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. I think, I think we're going to, um, we're going to have a stern talking to, I would say in the driver's meeting. I think, um, I think you're going to see guys like Kanan, guys like Dixon, uh, maybe Simon potentially speak to everyone and say, Hey, look, this is, uh, this is going to be a challenge for us. So we, we got to be smart about it. Um, and you know what, that might go in one ear and straight out the other for some people, but I know I, you know, I track position is going to be really important. I can't necessarily say that I'm going to try and be conservative because again, you only get one chance to do this race. So, um, you want to take advantage of mistakes when mistakes are made, but you also want to take advantage of opportunities when you get them. So it's going to be hard for people to, uh, you know, maintain a, um, a great mindset, but hopefully, you know, hopefully we can all be pretty respectful. Question from Ryan Hoff asks, uh, if Connor set the IndyCar sports booking odds for the Texas race because he says, I think I got a steal at plus 2,500 for him to finish on the podium. <laughs> I 
can't talk about it. I can't encourage it. I can't even say anything about it. But uh, you know, you do you do what you want to do. It's <laughs> a great. That's a great one. Um, I think that's all we got. Got a couple more questions on air screen and tire stuff that we've already addressed. So um, with that, I think it will do it for Connor and I on this week's edition of IndyCar Weekly. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Be sure, of course, as we've talked about all podcasts, to tune in on Saturday night for IndyCar's season opener at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, race will be shown at, on NBC at 8 p.m. I believe there's a pre-race show that starts uh, at 7.30 Eastern on NBC Sports Network. You've got various uh, practice and qualifying streams going on, I believe, on NBC Gold throughout the day. So should be a I really... Thought I, saw today, I thought I saw today as well, though. Uh, is, is practice and qualifying live on NBC Sports Network? I thought I saw that on what NBCSN was advertising today, but I'm not... I'm not sure. It didn't have the gold logo on it, but you very well may be right. And every everyone out there who, who listens to this, you know, albeit you know potentially not an enormous audience, but look, we, <laughs> we appreciate everyone, and we and, and we can all do our parts. We can tell other people, hey, there is a live event going on on Saturday night. It will be electric. You need to watch. And it's all, you know, it, it, it will take some time for us to, you know, continue to build this fan base, this sport, but we can all help and we can all do our part. So make sure we're watching this race. Make sure you're watching it. Turn on every TV because you're all your friends to do it. And if they say why, just say watch and, and you'll find out. Exactly. I think that's a great point. IndyCar uh, is a... It's a great, exciting sport if you have any interest in it. Um, if you have any interest in live sports, uh, I think it's just a, it'd be a fun thing to tune on. And I think if you haven't already gotten hooked into auto racing or IndyCar racing, I think uh, there will be a, a great show for folks to turn into. As we've talked about all podcasts, lots of unknowns, lots of exciting aspects that I think should hopefully make what's normally already an exciting race that would happen at Texas Motor Speedway just uh, be that much better. Um, Thanks again, Connor, for joining me. This uh, For Connor, this is Nathan Brown, uh, Indy Star Motorsports Insider. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to uh, check out all of our Indy Star Motorsports content at IndyStar.com. Tune in hopefully next week for another edition of IndyCar Weekly. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.